0: Well, as we said, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day we remember that Jesus poured out His Spirit upon all flesh. Of course, in the Old Testament, it was a feast. But all the feasts in the Old Testament marked something that would happen in the time to come. This is the one that was poured out upon all flesh. I've heard uh, people talk about the number that Jesus appeared to. That Jesus appeared to 500 people when He was alive, when when He was resurrected. 500 people that he appeared to. And he told them a command. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. Go into the upper room and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And 40 days later, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And on that room, how many people were in there? 120 people were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But he gave the command to 500 380 people, 380 people were not in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out. What we learn from that is that no matter what revelation we get, it doesn't matter nearly as much as what you do with it. We got to make sure that we do some things with the revelations that God has given us. And how many of y'all know we have been given some things by the Holy Spirit? He has given us some revelations. Last week, we looked at the prophet from Judah, how he got the message from God. He knew he heard from God. He knew what God said to do. What did God say to do? Go into Israel. Go before the altar. Give this word to Jeroboam. When you come back, come back a different way. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything in the land. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. When Jeroboam said, come on home with me, he says, no. No no, we're not going to do it. When Jeroboam offered him a reward for healing his hand, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And he came home a different way. Then we saw the old prophet. The old prophet sent his sons after him and said, um, an angel appeared to me and he gave me this message. You're supposed to come home. i was supposed to feed you, take care of you. And he compromised. We saw that if the devil cannot get you from the pressures that come from without, he will try and get you from within. He'll try and get those that you trust, those that are close to you. If he can't get those to pressure you from outside, they don't do any good. Well, he heard he did, but he never reaped any kind of a reward for that because he did not endure. We looked at some things to help us increase our endurance. That once we hear, don't just copy. But once you hear what the Spirit of God says to, for you to do, begin to see it. Envision yourself doing that thing. Envision that thing happening. Envision yourself having that thing. See it and declare it. We're going to take a look at a story. I've said this a few times when we've, we've gone over this. It was one of, one of my favorite healing stories in the Bible. I think we ought to go over this story at least once a year. I was surprised when I looked back over the, the records. It's been almost two years since we looked at this story. We refer to it a lot, but it's been almost two years since we looked at this, at this story. And there are some of them that just have such lessons in them. We need to keep going back to them again and again. Whenever I'm listening to a, a podcast of a, someone teaching, and they get on this story or some other stories, I just get excited. Oh, they're, they're teaching on the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, I can't wait to hear it again. I've heard probably thousands of messages on it, and I can't wait to the next one. I just get excited. She showed us so many things in the area of faith, and we need to learn those things. First, we're going to go all the way back to verse 21, though. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by a boat to the other side, and <clears throat> there's a lot in that verse. Remember, Jesus got in the boat. He said, what? Let's go to the middle of the lake and sink. no. He, he put his disciples in the boat, he, and, and let's get over to the other We're going to go over to the other side. Of course, he met them on the water and all the things that had gone on and with all that. But anyway, those things had, had occurred. And when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. Now, we don't want to lose sight with the woman of the issue of blood. We don't want to lose sight with Jairus because Jairus did much of the same thing that she did. He heard about Jesus. He built his faith up. And he says, without a doubt, he says, uh, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her and she, that she may be healed. And she will live. Any doubt in that statement? So he's been thinking about this for a while. If I can get over to Jesus if I can get him to come back, if he'll come back, heal my daughter, I know she will live. I know she will live. How many times do we have people go out to the meetings? Well, I'll go out there and give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. I go up and get prayer. You never know what might happen. Maybe something good go. This is not the Jairus. He is sure. If I go, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. There's all kinds of people all around. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, I like what we did here. We, uh, and if you go into the other ones, it's even shorter. We talk about the problem, but we don't give a whole lot of attention to it. There's a whole lot of Christians that talk about their problem and give a whole lot of attention to it. I've heard people go up and give testimonies. They'll give a 10-minute testimony... Nine minutes on the problem, the last minute on what God did. We, we shouldn't talk about the problem as much. But then we get in the other boat and we don't talk about the problem at all. You know, Christians, we've heard the stories, Christians walk into the doctor's office, well, what's the matter? Nothing. Why are you here? <laughs> and, and, you know, we feel like we can't say it with our mouth, what's wrong? And that's that's wrong you, you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't have to do that. Look at what they said about, about this woman. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years. She had a flow of blood for twelve years. Well we we can declare the problem. You can declare the problem without declaring possession of the problem. That's right. There's a lot of people though who haven't quite learned this, and they go around and they talk about possession of their problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I have ulcers. Mm-hmm. Well, my ulcers are acting well. They're taking possession of the thing, right? No, there's a difference between talking about a problem and taking possession of it. Well, this, this, this is what they said about this woman. She had a flow of blood for 12 years. This is, a, this is a condition that had gone on for 12 years with her. But you can talk about a problem without taking possession of it. How many of y'all know people who talk about their problem like it's theirs? They, I, mean, I I have it, it's mine, it's my possession. You almost feel like, you know, don't take that away from them. <laughs> That's something uh, very near and dear to them. She had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. So we declare the problem. We talk about some of the things that she had done to try and get past this. Well, where do you, where do you go? If you have a problem, you go to the, to the doctors and she went to the doctors. And they were, I'm sure... A lot of them were legitimate. They were trying to help her out. They did the best thing that they could do. You know, you all know one of my favorite movies out there is the Star Trek series. I love the Star Trek series movies. don't matter which one, except for the very first one they made. That one should never be seen again. <laughs> that was a boring movie. I don't quote anything from that one. But there's, a, there's another one that uh, had, had come up. One of my favorite ones from the original uh, crew that had gotten together. Favorite ones is that one where they went back in time to get the whale. Yeah, I know it was all that earth, save the earth sort of stuff and that sort of junky things. To, But, you know, I got past all that. And they, they had to go back. Well, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Bones, the doctor, he's in the hospital and he's uh, walking on by the lady uh, in the, who's out there in the stretcher and she's got some kind of condition and so he just stops and he says, what's wrong with you? Oh, I have, uh, I'm waiting for kidney dialysis. And his, his remark was just great. Kidney dialysis? What are we, back in the Stone Age? And he says, he gives her a little pill. Remember that scene? Gives her a little pill. Pops her, just take one of these and you'll be fine. And so, you know, they, he takes the pill and they go in there and they, they, uh, they go find uh, their, their man, their checkoff, and they, they get him out of the hospital and they, they're, you know, basically jailbreaking him out of the hospital. And as they go on by, the little old lady again, she's waving her arms and kicking her feet and hollering, and she hollers over the doctor, I'm, I'm cured, I'm cured. <laughs> Well, kidney dialysis was the best thing that they knew to do. But it doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. It just means at that time it's the best thing they knew to do. And, you know, if you go back even 50 years, some of the things we were doing medically speaking, it was the best thing they knew to do. But we look at it now and say, oh, I'm so glad we don't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's like well, These folks probably did the best thing they knew to do, but it wasn't working. And it wasn't helping. There may have been some, some folks who were just after her money. But we'll assume that most of them were trying to help her out. But it just wasn't working. It wasn't taking care of the problem. So we have the problem stated. We talk about some of the things that she had done. And she suffered many things. Have you ever, ever been to the doctor and suffered? Yeah. Well, it, you, you suffer because you think it's going to help you. You're convinced that, well, all right, we get some pain now. But it'll be better in the, in the long run. So she spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now this is remarkable because if you have been through all kinds of healing things before and none of them worked and you heard of someone coming through town Who just lays his hands on people, speaks over them, and diseases go, you could be skeptical. And you might not want to mix faith with this. But she was desperate. She heard about Jesus. She came in behind the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now here's the thing that she learned that a lot of people have not yet learned. We talked about this is about setting the bar. And the first is a, is a B. I think I have it in your... I put it in your outline. I fill it in your letters, don't I? This is to build. The first thing we need to do, if we're going to follow the example of the woman with the issue of blood, is we need to build... Our, we need to build some, on some things. We've got to build some beliefs. We've got to build some principles. We've got to build something off of the Word of God that we hear. It takes some time. We've got to spend some time building something up she had built something up she heard about Jesus and she thought about that thought about that heard about the stories about Jesus if I can just get in the crowd and if I can just touch the hem of his garment just touch the hem of his garment I know I'll be healed I know it I know it this is a woman who has been through how many situations and it didn't work in fact she got worse But she has convinced herself on the inside that if I just follow through with this, I know I will be healed. That's hard to do. It's one thing if you've never tried anything and you come to a meeting with Jesus. But if you have gone and gone and gone and gone and gone and gone and nothing helps for 12 years, it can wear you down. She's not worn down. She heard this thing. I put this in your outline. We need to spend some time building up principles that our beliefs can get hold of. We need to spend some time building up principles that our beliefs can get hold of. What principles do you have? What principles have you built up that your belief can go out there and get hold of? That you can say, I can believe in this. Here's the principle she, she learned. There's power in Jesus. That power goes out of Jesus into the people around him. If I can just get near him and touch the hem of his garment, power will go from Jesus into me and we will take care of it. And she kept saying this to herself. Kept speaking this out. For she said, now if you're going to do this, you're going to talk to yourself about it. How many have ever talked to yourself about some things? You're talking, we're, we do that. I'm going to do this. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and decided what you're going to do for the day? And you tell yourself, we're going to get this done. I'm going to do this, right? Why are you telling yourself that? Because <laughs> it works better if you tell yourself what you're going to do instead of you just go around through that. No, we're going to go out there and we're going to do this. We're going to get this done. That's what she did. She's telling herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, I put this in your outline for you. The less word you know, the longer this will take. Here's two things. Do you need to be taught or just reminded? If you need to be taught, uh, that can be trouble. And we run into people quite often. They're desperate. They're about to die. They got some kind of condition, some kind of disease, and it's, it's threatening to take their life. And if they haven't spent any time learning about healing, learning about God, and that sometimes their mind just isn't there anymore. What can you do with them? Well, you see, the time to put that word in is when your mind is with you. is when you can think clearly in these things. They didn't do it. You need to... If you're going to get your faith involved. If you're, We're looking at this lady. There's other people I know that they didn't do hardly anything. And Jesus did it all. But we're not looking at those. We're looking at this lady. And we're looking at it for a particular reason. And we'll get there to the, at the end. But get yourself taught now. Learn about healing now. Learn about finances and the Word of God. Learn about faith. Learn Whatever it is you need, learn about it now while you don't need it. So that when you need it, all you need to do is be reminded. You can spend time building principles just going over the Word of God that you know. And that's what you ought to be able to do. Now, you got to be hungry. If you're going to do this, you got to be hungry. This is not a casual thing. you gotta be, You got to be hungry for it. you got to go after it. It's just like if you're going to go to a buffet. Do you go to a buffet after you eat? All-you-can-eat buffet. Really nice stuff. Seafood, beef, steak, fancy pork, all kinds of good stuff. They may put vegetables out there too, but I, I don't know what some good vegetables are. So, besides, if I'm going to a buffet, y'all know where I'm spending all my time. We're on the meat table. Now, if I'm over at um, that what is that that uh, steak place that does the buffet, I can never remember their name. You know. Golden, Corral. Golden Corral. If we're over there, I will also go over to the roll section because they have some good rolls. They got some good stuff that way, but you know. If you're going to go to a buffet, you're going to go hungry because you want to have some food because you're, you're paying a certain amount of money and it's all you can eat. So if it's all you can eat, I'm going hungry. Why would you go to a buffet full? You don't do it. You want to be hungry. The hungrier you are, the more you can take in and make it seem like it's worthwhile. It's, it's not so good to go to a buffet and feel like I didn't get my money's worth out of that. We want to do that. Now, put this in your outline for you. How desperate you need to be before you get this hungry will vary. How desperate you need to be before you get this hungry will vary. With the people here, Jarius, he was desperate to the point that his daughter was going to die. How many all know that's desperate? This woman, not quite as desperate. She has been at this for twelve years. But it's not quite an urgent situation. Not quite as desperate, but still desperate. How desperate you need to be before you get this hungry will vary. Some people have to get super, some people a little bit. Doesn't. But the more mature you become, the less desperate you need to be. That's a sign of maturity. The more mature you become, the less desperate you need to be to go after the Word of God with this hunger. When you go to a buffet, you almost need to be desperate for food, right? Man, I, tell you, I could have started eating an hour ago. I am really hungry. You go in are desperate. But the more mature you are in the things of God, the less desperate you have to be. Now, here we have the problem. It's clearly stated. We already gave you this, but she's not taking ownership of it. There's a difference between simply stating a problem you have and taking ownership of it. Don't take ownership of the problem. You may have the problem. It may be with you, but you don't own it. Don't take ownership of the thing. You know, you hear people talk, my arthritis. Who's a person in TV used to always say that? My arthritis. arthritis. I, I don't think that's exactly the way you're supposed to pronounce it, but that's the way that they, they had done it, whoever it was. Uh, no, we, it's, it's not yours. You don't want that, right? Don't, don't take ownership of the thing. Now understand this, it's not just the words that you use. Sometimes we, we want to change our words. Well, I just won't call it mine. But I'm still seeing it as mine. Just because you change the words doesn't mean that you change the belief on the inside. You've got to change the belief on the inside. And just because you let a word slip here or there and you called it mine doesn't mean that you believe that it's yours. So, you know, don't be the uh, confession police. And go around there and every time somebody utters a word, well, that's mine and it's not something that's good, don't don't jump all over them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell if they take taken ownership of the thing or they have not. It's just something that's there with them. How many of y'all know there have been times when conditions have afflicted us? That's why there's healing in the Word of God. If nothing ever came upon you, you wouldn't need it. But just don't, don't look at it as, as, as mine. Look at the promises of God as yours. Take possession of them. Take ownership of them, but not this other stuff. All right, that's here, but it's not mine. Now, what kind of things did she heard? She heard about Jesus. So I went through the Word of God to find some things. This. And if you went over to Luke, in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48, I think it is, uh, we have the same story of the woman with the issue of blood. But if you go to Luke chapter 6, verse 17, you all know Luke chapter 6 comes before Luke chapter 8. This is maybe where she got it from. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. So this may be one of the stories that she heard. That power went out from Jesus and healed them all. Not half of them. All of them. So she's hearing this. Power is going out from Jesus. People just came up and touched Jesus. And power went out from Jesus. And all of them were healed. And she's thinking about this and thinking about this. Maybe she even saw some of the people who were at the meeting and came back and told her. And she may have even looked them up. What happened in that meeting? Oh, it was the neatest thing. I've never seen anything like this before. But you know me. I had that that condition. That condition was giving me pain. Well, I just went up in the meeting and Jesus didn't even call for me. I just went up and I touched Jesus. And power came. I felt it. Power came from him into me. And I was healed. Oh, I guess they're excited. She may have gone and found a second one. And she asked, what happened in the meeting? Oh, and gave him a, the same kind of thing. And this is building faith in her. Now, just because you heard it doesn't mean it builds faith. Remember, 500 people heard Jesus say, go in the upper room, wait, power's, Holy Spirit's coming down. 120 are there. Just because you heard a great word doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. You've got to do something with it. It could happen to you. 500 people could have been in an upper room. But not all 500 were there. So she heard stories like this. Now, I put this in your outline. Just because you hear it doesn't mean it will do any good. You must, first off, meditate on it. Doesn't that word of God tell us to meditate on things? Meditate on the word. And develop beliefs in line with the truth. It does no good to just develop beliefs. You must develop beliefs that are in line with the truth. The Word of God doesn't say your beliefs will set you free. What does it say? The truth will set you free. If you get a wrong belief of the Word of God, that belief will bring you into bondage. If you get a wrong belief from the Word of God, that belief, no matter how strong, will bring you into bondage. It is the truth that will set you free. Now, you can hear the truth. How many people in the New Testament heard the truth that Jesus taught? But they didn't believe it. It didn't do them any good. Just because you heard the truth doesn't mean it's going to set you free. You've got to hear the truth and believe the truth And then the truth will set you free. The Pharisees heard the truth, didn't they? Were they set free? No. No no setting free with Pharisees. No Sadducees that we know of were set free. No scribes or lawyers. They all were resistant to the things of, of the gospel. Meditate on it. Think on this thing. Develop beliefs that are in line with the truth. That's why it's so important, folks. Get the truth. Of God's Word. There's a whole lot of Christians out there that have false things that have been built into them. They will not help you. Meditate on the truth. Develop beliefs in line with the truth. Then proclaim what you believe. Proclaim it. Let people know. Proclaim it to yourself. Proclaim it to the people that are around, here, around you. This woman, when she heard about what Jesus did when she heard about the things going on with the meetings with Jesus, when she heard about the people that were being set free, she said, it doesn't even say she said it to herself, but I'm sure she said it to herself, but she said, she didn't think, she said, which probably means other people around her heard what she was saying. Now, if you had a friend who after 12 years spent all that she had pursuing ways to get healed, and was not healed, and then hears about this, what would you do as a friend? How many of you would try and bring some sense? In? Now hold on a minute. <laughs> you know you pursued these. You've gotten your hopes up before. Don't get your hopes up here. I mean, all right, fine. Go out to the meetings and, and, and then see what happens. But you know, how many of you have been around people and they want to do that? They, they try and bring you down to a more realistic level. We just don't want you to get your hopes up and have them be dashed to pieces. But if you don't get your hopes up, what are you believing for? So It's not wrong to have your hopes built up. It's wrong to have your hope built up on something that's false. Make sure you build it up on what's true. So she's probably saying it to people and people are probably trying to talk her out of it. Eh, look, just you know, go to the meeting, but don't believe it quite so strong. <laughs> you know, I mean, don't get fanatical about this thing. Just um, calm down a little bit. Yeah, she probably got that. But she, she kept on proclaiming. She kept on doing. People probably pointed out, you have failed before. <laughs> How many people have pointed out your failures before? You have failed before. It hasn't worked before. God hasn't come through before. Meditate on the truth to learn. Develop beliefs in line with that truth and then proclaim what you believe. Now, here's the problem that word people get into. We make the proclamation without the meditation and the beliefs being built up. We just proclaim things. Well, the Word of God said I can be healed, so I'm healed. I'm healed. But there's no belief. There's there's no substance to it. We haven't spent any time building anything up. And I'm not telling you how long it takes for you to build this up. I won't tell you it takes an hour. I won't tell you it takes a week. I won't tell you it takes a month spend some time getting it built up. Build up what you're going to do. It takes some time. It doesn't happen just instantly. The, the more mature you are, the quicker you can get to that place. But get in, get in line with it. And you don't have to get all your beliefs. You're looking at just beliefs for that thing that you're going to receive. Now remember, even, even with uh, um, uh, Peter and John, they came over to the guy at the beautiful gate. He was not in a position to receive anything. It didn't take him very long to get them in a position, to get him in a position that he would receive something. That's all they had to do. Now, this, that person at the gate is not the same thing as this woman. We're going to show you that here at the end. There's something really unique about this woman that if you get this truth, It'll set everybody free. A little bit different from what the, the other person was. We'll get there. I put this in your outline for you. Fill this in. Revelation comes and she develops faith in it. Revelation comes and she develops faith in it. Isn't that, isn't that revelation coming to her? Revelation knowledge is coming to her about Jesus. How else would you categorize that? That's revelation knowledge. She's receiving revelation knowledge. She may have gotten it from other people, but down in her spirit, she's still getting revelation. She's getting a witness. This is, this is right. This is good. Revelation is coming to her. And she develops faith in that revelation. Have you ever given revelation knowledge to people that are around you? And they shut it down. They didn't believe it. So she heard. She believed. She proclaimed. That's all good. But that won't get you anywhere. That's where a lot of Christians stop. They heard, they believed, and they proclaim. But she didn't stop there. After that, she acted. Now, I put this in my outline. I didn't get it to put in yours. I ran out of room. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. It is a proclamation of what you have come to believe. That's what confession is. Don't let confession become saying something, saying the same thing repeatedly. It is a proclamation of what you have come to believe. How many of you have said this on a regular basis? I am going to heaven. If not, y'all too. Because we are. Glory to God. (laughs) We're going to heaven. I say these kind of things all the time. This is not my home. Because you know what? This is not my home. I am going to heaven. I am a citizen of another country. And this is not my home. When people start messing with this world and chewing it up and getting it all crazy, I just sit back and say, This is not my home. This is not my home. And I look forward to the day. I, always, I tell God, Father God, I am looking forward to the day when you set up your throne. That's my home. That's my home. This is not my home. Politicians are doing some crazy things. This is not my home. We can just say that over and over again. Is, but I say that because I believe it. I do not believe that this is my home. I know where my home is. This isn't it. I'm here right now. But see, I say those things because I, be, I believe them. I don't say those things repeatedly and talk myself into it. And that's what you need to get with, the, with healing or any of the other promises of God. It needs to be a proclamation of what you have come to believe. So here's the second one for our bar. We first off, we have to build. I got to build that belief on the inside. Secondly, act. When she heard about Jesus, verse 27, she came behind him in the crowd. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. How did she get behind him? She didn't get there staying at home in bed. What if she got up that day and she didn't feel so good? What if she got up that day and the the pain or whatever the condition, whatever it does to her, was at an all-time high? Or just enough that she didn't feel like going out? You ever had a chronic condition that gets you to the place you don't feel like going anywhere? What if that happened to her that day? What did she do? She pressed on. Now, when she got up in the morning... She may not have known that Jesus was coming by. She may have just gotten up on a regular day. And maybe her body was saying, stay in bed. Nobody will blame you. They all know what you're going through. Stay in bed. But she didn't do that. She got up. And as she got up and she's going about the day, somehow she hears that Jesus is passing by. And Jesus was not scheduled to go this direction. Remember, Julius came and said, if you'll come... To my house and heal my daughter, she will live. So he followed Jairus instead of going in the direction he was going. This is an unscheduled trip. If she's not up, about, out of the house, hearing what's going on, she wouldn't know. However, it was that she found out. We don't know. We don't get that information. Somebody came and said, Jesus is coming by. The Jesus Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, that one. He's coming by. Uh, somebody came and asked him to come by and heal his daughter. So he's, he's, that's him in that crowd out there. What did she do? Man, if it was any other day. You know, I just, I'm just not feeling real good today. If it was any other day, I'd be right out there. Father God, would you just bring him by another day when I'm feeling better? What did she do? She went after him. She went up to the crowd. And she comes up to the crowd and there's a great multitude. Great multitude. I don't know what a great multitude is. But I know when they talked about great multitudes before, they've been using numbers like 5,000 men. Which means the men brought along their wives and they brought along their children. That's a great crowd. That's a, that's a good-sized crowd. 4,000 was considered a great crowd. So we're, we're not talking about 10 or 20 people. We're talking hundreds, probably thousands of people, and they're all around Jesus. All right, now you've been building this up in in you. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And all of a sudden, Jesus is here, but there are thousands of people all around him. All around Jesus are all these people. How can I get to Jesus? Now, remember, this is an unclean woman. She's not supposed to have this kind of contact with people. She presses through. She goes through the crowd. But she could have gotten to the crowd and she could have reasoned in herself, well god, this obviously is not my day. If you had arranged this, there would be a whole there'd be an easy way for me to get there. There'd be a path for me to get to Jesus. But there's no path for me to get to Jesus, so we'll just have to wait for another time. She doesn't do it. She keeps going. She presses through the crowd. Because she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She could have said other stuff too, couldn't she? She could have said, if I can just get his attention. She could have said that. If I could just get into a meeting. She could have said that. She didn't say that. What did she say? If I just touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That's all I got to do. I got to touch his clothes. I put this in your outline for you. Belief is the confidence that something is true. Belief is the confidence that something is true. Faith is the action of that confidence. If you want to know the difference between faith and belief? Belief is the confidence, faith is the action. You got to have both. You got to have the belief, but once you have the belief, you got to have what? Faith is that is the action. Faith simply put is actions born out of belief of the truth of God's Word. That's what it is. Actions born out of the belief of the truth of God's Word. Now, just because we have prayed does not mean we have acted. Here's where a lot of folks, a lot of Christians get caught up. Just because we have prayed does not mean we have acted. It may mean that we have believed, but it does not mean that we have acted. This woman may have prayed in her house. Father God, show me how I can be healed. Father God, bring Jesus along the path. Whatever it was, she may have already prayed in the house. Just because she prayed does not mean that she acted. Here's an important part to get out of this story. The parts of this story the woman could do, God will not do. The parts of this story the woman could do, God will not do. Now, let's just take a look at the story real quick. Could she hear about Jesus? Yes. So, God's not going to do that for her, is He? Could she believe the words? Yes, God's not going to do that part for her. Could she have faith in those words? Yes, God's not going to do that part for her. Could she get up in the morning? Could she make the trip to where Jesus is? Yes. Yes. So God's not going to do that part for her. She said with her with her mouth, if I just touch the hem of his garment, so what's she supposed to do? Touch the hem. Well, God, I just can't get anywhere closer. You'll have to touch the hem of the garment for me. No. She needs to get in there and touch the hem of his garment. She got in there and touched the hem of his garment. Could she create the power? Ah, uh-uh. that's beyond her. Could she heal her body? Ah, uh-uh. that's beyond her. But you see, until she does the parts that she's supposed to do, God can't do the part that He's going to do. This is where a whole lot of Christians are stuck. They're waiting for God to do something. It can't be there. The parts of this story the woman could do, God will not do. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Well, whatever was in her body that she felt before, she felt a difference. Oh, I'm healed. That thing is gone. She felt something. She received. Isn't that the best part? Isn't it the receiving? I mean, building, that's, that's all great. Action, that's all great. But how many of y'all want to receive? Yeah, that's, we, want, we want to receive. We want to receive we want to receive. It does no good to keep showing up at work and building a paycheck. Doesn't do any good for that, does it? Until you receive the paycheck. We all want to. Re- That's why you keep going back to work, not because you can build a paycheck, but because you can receive a paycheck. We want to receive. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus Again, the word, immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, we talked about this before. But it bears repeating. We've got to keep this in mind here. Jesus knew something different had gone. There are multitude numbers of people touching him, and nothing is happening. But all of a sudden, one person comes up, and she may not be the only sick person. But one person comes up and now power goes out of him. Why? What was it that this one woman did that no one else had done? That's what we need to do. She heard. She built that belief. She acted on that belief. And despite all the obstacles and all the people who told her something else, she kept pressing on. She kept out there. She's going to find a way to get this done. And when she touched the hem of of his garment, which is exactly what she said. She wasn't even going to touch his body, because, you know, that, this is a technicality, but at least this way, I'm not actually touching him and making the rabbi unclean. Just touch the hem of his garment. There's also other things about the hem of the garment, and we're not going to get into those right now. But in the, in the passage, it reads it more this way, he kept saying, who touched my clothes? Now, no one says this right off the bat, but after you keep saying it. Who touched my clothes? Wait a minute. Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Someone touched my clothes. And the disciples, after a while, are getting a little uncomfortable. You're making the folks around here a little nervous, Jesus. Everybody's been around here. Everybody's been touching you. You've got lots of people. The multitude is here thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Verse 33 is very curious. I love the details that Mark puts in healing scriptures, healing stories. But the woman fearing and trembling, what would cause her to be afraid and to tremble? Something good just happened. Have you ever had something good that you've been waiting for 12 years to happen and something good happened? Why are you afraid? (laughs) Why are you trembling? Because Jesus says, "Who touched me?" Because she's in a boat that a whole lot of Christians are. We think we got something that God didn't want us to have, <laughs> right? I didn't. Did she ask permission? Did she come up to Jesus? Jesus, I need a healing. I'm. I just want to ask your permission first. Can I have a healing? She didn't ask permission for it, did she? What'd she do? She took it. She just went right up there and took it. What would you say to someone if you're carrying something around with you and someone comes up and takes it? Would you be upset? That was mine. That, that belonged to me. You took it. Well, this is what she's thinking about. I took something from Jesus. I didn't ask him. I just came up and I took it. How many times Christians are trying to talk God into healing them? How many times Christians are waiting for God to move? How many times Christians are, well, I did all I know to do. I'm just waiting for God. She could still be right. We, this story, she may not even be in this story. If she's just waiting for God, we wouldn't have this wonderful story of this great woman of faith. I think it's amazing we don't even know her name. I'll know her when we get to heaven. I'm going to find you, you or her. <laughs> because we'll know all those kind of things in heaven. You'll know, just like in the Transfiguration, that Peter, he knew who Elijah was. He didn't see any pictures of him. You know, they didn't have any Polaroids. There's no pictures of Elijah anywhere around. He just said, wow, Elijah's here. There's no pictures of Moses. He just said, wow, Moses is here. When you get to heaven, you will not forget anyone's name. You will know everyone's name, even people you haven't met. So you can just look around. There she is. And you'll know her name. And you can call her by name. Man, that was a great story. I'd just like to tell her, your story just blessed me so much. I'm so glad it was included in the Word of God. I'm so glad you did this. Because we learned a lot from your story. You got healed, but we learned a whole lot because of what you did. So we'll. Uh, She's one of the ones I'll be looking for when we get to their heaven. Find her. The woman fearing and trembling, knowing what happened, what had happened to her. This is a good thing. How is it that people can think that the power of God moves and they did something wrong? (laughs) Did something wrong. Jesus is going to be mad at me. I know he's going to be mad. We're not even having a meeting. We're not even in any kind of special service. I'm taking him away from from what he's trying to do with this man here. Uh, He's going to be mad. Just know it. He's going to be mad. Maybe if I just kind of stay in the background here, he'll forget about it, but he's not forgetting about it. Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? If Jesus doesn't do this, do we have this story? Uh uh. We don't know what the woman did, we don't know what she went through. If Jesus does not do this, we do not have this story. The story happened, but we don't have it. So Jesus, who touched we We need to, we need to find this out. Who touched me? But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and hold him, told him the whole truth. We've talked about that before. She told him the whole story. Whole story. All 12 years. And he said to her daughter, "Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." He's not mad. He's not mad. You cannot steal a healing from heaven. You can't do it. <laughs> she accessed it by faith. She put the laws of faith into operation, and those laws worked. And Jesus is—he's happy. He's glad, daughter. Your faith. Has made you well. He didn't say my anointing. Did he? He didn't say the power of God. He didn't say the special meeting that we were having. What did he say? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Great words: Your faith has made you well. The woman's fear is based on the view that many Christians have. Perhaps God is not wanting to answer my prayer. Maybe he, did, maybe he didn't. Maybe Jesus turned around, you got an answer, and I didn't want to do that. You were on the list. You were on the naughty list. You are not supposed to get a healing, and you got it anyway. I'm mad with you. Now, but you listen to some people's prayers. We're trying to talk God into healing us. Oh, God, I've suffered for so long. Can you please heal me? Well, length of time, the longer we are in the problem, the more we come to that conclusion. Well, God must just not have a desire for me to get healed. It must not be in his plans. We think all these things. Twelve years she suffered for this. Was it in God's plan? No, all she had to do was access it the right way, get that faith going, and she did. Is this the only way this woman could be healed? No, there's a whole lot of other ways that she could be healed, but this is the way that she set her faith in action. Here's a big one. If you can fit this anywhere in your outline, write this in there. So she is fearful that she received apart from the will of God. She is fearful that she received apart from the will of God. I'll tell you what, how many Christians are out there and they think, well, God must have a reason for me being this way. And yet if an anointing is flowing, a person is flowing in the anointing, and they call for that condition to come on up, how many times will they go get right on up there? <laughs> but they still have they, they still say they have that belief. It might be I think it's the will of God that I carry this thing. Now, we gotta go we're going on, we're not covering the whole rest of the story, but I want you to see this. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, look at this, this, this portrays a lot of views that Christians have. Your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? I've given you this one before, I'm going to give it to you again. Don't view your request or your need as trouble don't view your request or your need as trouble. Don't trouble the teacher any more. And anywhere in this story does it seem that Jesus is troubled by what the woman needs or by what Jairus needs? Do we ever see anywhere in the Gospels that he is troubled by the amount of people who showed up to receive a miracle? Do we have a single case Where it seems to be trouble. Closest one we can come is the woman from the Syrophoenician woman. And Jesus doesn't seem to pay her any mind. Until she steps in that area of faith. And Jesus stops in his tracks. And he talks about her faith. And that's the reason that she got her answer. Your request or your need is not trouble to God. Don't view it as such. If you view your need or your request as trouble. If you view it that way you will automatically go into a mode of trying to talk God into doing it. Because you view it as trouble. I don't want to trouble you. God, I don't want to trouble you with this. But if you could, I just wrote this one out in your outline for you don't have to fill anything in. But it's important to know. Don't let someone else's declaration undo your proclamation. Jerry has had proclaimed some things, but some other people come and declared something. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Don't let that. Just because somebody comes up and de- declares something to you. Here's the part you've got to fill this part out. Something said based on sight. Isn't that what people are coming to tell you this stuff? They're coming to tell you this stuff. Something based on sight. Cannot undo what was stated based on faith. It's important for you to get this whole thing something said based on sight cannot undo what was stated based on faith unless you let it go or become fearful that's it if you have proclaimed and said something in faith someone else comes along and says something based on sight stating the obvious they cannot undo what you have declared unless you let go of what you have said or you become fearful. Look at Jesus' words. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the multitude, no, to the woman with the, who had the issue of blood, no, who? The ruler. It's the only one in the room who mattered. What everyone else believes makes no difference at all. The only one who matters is the ruler of the synagogue because he's the one who came and made a declaration of faith. He's the one who did it. He's the only one that matters. He's the only one who can undo it. Only one. He's it. When you have made a declaration of faith, you are the only one who can undo it. The enemy will come at you within... He'll come at you without to try and get you to undo what you have done. Don't do it. He says, do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Don't become fearful. Don't become fearful. Do not let that in. As long as you stop from letting fear in, from letting go of what you have declared, it will come about. Don't let it go. Don't let it go from the things that come from within you, from those that are close to you, or those that are against you. Do not let it go. This last one I put in your outline here. Just because people can state the obvious does not mean they are right. (laughs) See those commercials, Captain Obvious? He can state the obvious, doesn't mean he's any any help. Doesn't mean he's right. Listen to the voice of God. He will reveal to you godly truth and wisdom and actions born of them. Now, the fame of what this woman did spread throughout the, the, the region. And here's what happened because of that. Mark chapter 6, verse 56, which comes after Mark chapter 5. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. <laughs> Where'd they get that from? And as many as touched him were made well. She started a whole movement. She, she first heard about touching him. She, if I just touched the hem of his garment. And then all of a sudden, just pass on by. Just let the hem of your garment go. People are going to touch the hem of your garment. And people are going to get healed. And they did. A whole bunch of them, right? And as many as touched him were made well. Matthew fourteen thirty-five. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the region, surrounding the region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Perfectly well. The hem of his garment. She started some things. Some people heard what she did. Brother Hagen wrote a whole book on a little mini book on this. He said how to write your own ticket with God. Too many Christians folks are standing around waiting for God to move. Listen to their prayers. Listen to what they say. Well, i prayed. I've done all I know to do. I'm just waiting. For my healing. I'm just waiting for God. I'm just waiting for whatever it might be. Stop waiting. What are you supposed to be doing? Do something. Do something. Get going. What are you supposed to do? We've talked about it throughout this whole series. God will speak some things to you. He will give you revelation. He will give you wisdom as to what to do. Just like He did with this woman. He gave her revelation on her situation. Jesus. She heard it. She had to believe it. She had to do something with that belief. She put action to it. She went out. She overcame all the obstacles. And she did it. You do not have to sit around and just wait for God to do good things for you. God wants good things to come to you. He wanted good things to come to this woman. He wanted good things to come to Jairus. It's the enemy who doesn't. He wants these things to come to you. And he will speak some things to you. Some of it you just need to do what he says to do. He wanted his man Elijah taken care of. So he gave Elijah revelation. He says, go over to the brook. When you go over to the brook, I've commanded the ravens to feed you. And so he did that. He followed after what God said to do. If he went anyplace else, he wasn't going to get it. He went over there. And he let God feed him by the use of the ravens. After a while, the brook dried up. And God says, "All right, leave there. Go over to the Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman there. He commands a lot of things. He commanded ravens, and they brought food for him. He commanded a woman woman, widow woman. She's going to feed you. So he had to leave where he was to go over to there to get that thing to be to be done. God will give you wisdom on your situation. He may give you wisdom on things to do. He may give you wisdom on things to believe." He may give you wisdom on things to eat or things not to eat. How to, how to exercise or how to... Whatever it is, He's going to give you something to do because He knows your body. Now, once He tells you something to do, here's a, here's a common reaction we'll have. We'll be like the man who had leprosy. I thought he would come out, wave his hand, speak, <laughs> command call on the name of his God. and The leprosy be gone, we'd go on home. Just because it doesn't happen the way that you want it to happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen. How is God telling you this is going to get done? Do what he says to do. Because until you do what God has revealed to you, there's no real reason for God to tell you anything more. Because you haven't done it. She got revelation. She did something with it. She wrote her own ticket with God. Wrote the whole thing out. We gave you the steps right there. And you can do the same thing. What is it that the Word of God told you is yours that you don't have just yet? Go into the Word of God. Build your beliefs. Then make proclamation out of those beliefs and you declare how it's going to be in your life. Not because of the power of your declaration, but because you realize, God, you said this and I am just confirming what it is you did. And then put action to those things. If you're believing God for health in your body and you wake up in the morning and you feel lousy, what should you do? Get up. I still remember what Brother Hagen got about that one day. He was still learning about healing, learning about faith. He's getting close to the to the point where he was going to be healed. Where he, he finally came into the revelation he needed and got healed. He's still laying there on the bed, afflicted. But he says, God, if you were to come in this room, I tell you right now, I believe with all my heart, I am healed. I am healed, and just word came up inside of him. God spoke to him not outwardly, just said, "Sick people don't stay in bed at whatever time it was in the day." He said, "No, they don't." So he worked to get up. He got up out of bed for the first time. It's a great story. I believe in visions. Has the whole whole thing if you ever want to read that? What has God? Told you to do. Because whatever God has told you to do, there is power in that. Do it. Do it. Day in and day out. Until He tells you something else to do. And what kind of things are coming out of your mouth? Well, I'm getting tired of fighting this. Every day I'm fighting. Stop it. Stop it. This woman, 12 years. 12 years. She got worse. Anybody ever had a condition that got worse? Yeah, we all have. I've had conditions that got worse. And you can get dragged into a, to a place where you're just fussing and don't do it. Don't, it doesn't mean you can't say how things are. If somebody comes up to you and says, how you doing? They're concerned about it. What should you say? Oh, I'm great. I have never been better. <laughs> no, you can say, well, this is still, and you don't have to condition it. Well, this is still going on. But glory to God, I'm healed. You don't have to do that. You can if you want to, but you don't have to do that. But just don't negate what it is that you're that you're doing. People are just curious. How how are you? How are you doing with that? How are things going? You can tell. Don't take ownership of what you don't want. Take ownership of what God said is yours. Talk like that. Put action to the things that you believe. Put actions to it. Would y'all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the example you give us in this woman. What a tremendous example of faith she is. She is the person who wrote her own ticket. No one else was involved. Jesus wasn't involved. He was just the person that she touched. The power of God came through him. He didn't cause it. He didn't didn't send it. From the beginning until the end, This woman started it and saw it finished. And your power poured out into her life and got it done. Some of the other stories, Father, we look at in the Word of God and we see that it was sometimes a call, an action, something from the person who was delivering what it is that they needed. With Peter and John, even sometimes with Jesus. But not with this one. And Jesus even says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. And Father, that kind of faith is involved in all of our lives. But sometimes it has not gone to the place of making us whole. We've gotten condemned. We've gotten discouraged. All kinds of things have come. But we need to just go back and look at the simple story. These few verses of this great woman of faith and what we can learn. But we can... Write our own ticket, because you've given us that opportunity. We thank you for it, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have some praise reports, what God has been doing.
1: Okay, um, This one's from Darrell. He said, over the past several weeks, I've had the privilege to share Jesus with a multitude of people. Praise God. I'm excited about that says um it's been a real great blessing to me to be of service to him by speaking words of life to people. Amen. Expecting some changes in people's lives. I'll agree with you on that. This one's from Naz. He said he had a very backbreaking and expensive job over the at the house for quite some time now, about two years or so. Um, after seeking God and doing some research I was able to get get it all done yesterday with both my lovely kids, (laughs) Candace and Josiah. We labored all day and are still aching. (laughs) Thank God it's done. All for about $100. Wow. In material. Thank you, Mike, for the message this morning. Amen. Appreciate that. Oh, for the massage this morning. (laughs) Sorry. Spelled kind of the same way. (laughs) Okay. And Ray says, we found out today that God has blessed us with a pair of cats who are mousers <laughs> and i praise god also for finding people to cover me at work this, this coming week so i may be able to focus on some things that around the house amen sometimes you need a break and ento this one intrigued me ento i Very excited about this one. She said, Last weekend, while returning from Virginia, um, the check engine light came on on her car. She laid hands on it right there as she was driving on the dashboard and prayed that the issue causing the maintenance light should go away. I continued driving, noticed that the light was still there, but believed God that the cause was fixed, the issue was fixed. As my mom uh, and she uh, conversed together... Um, she inquired about the CD changer that had been needing to be fixed. She said, I turned to talk about the check engine light on the car and praise God, the engine light had gone off. (laughs) In the same journey, I prayed about another issue with regards to my car and the Lord opened my eyes and revealed to me during the trip what the issue was. Thank God. How many of you have ever heard people talking about issues with inanimate objects like that where they needed gas and there was no gas stations around and God just kind of on fumes, got them hundreds of miles. Praise God. Um, this one's from Ali and Nikolai. They said that they have officially paid off their second car and now have no car payments on either one. Amen. Vanessa, and I'm claiming this one for my physical therapy treatments as well. <laughs> she received a check in the mail for overpayments in the amount of $525. Amen. And Susan says she found out at work this week we'll be getting a bonus at the end of June. Thanking God for all his blessings. Praise God. Amen. Any others? Nope.